welcome to another episode of the Old Soul Movie Podcast, a show that features backgrounds, reviews, and reflections of some of the most influential movies ever made. And now your hosts, Emma and Jack. Welcome back and happy holidays from the Old Soul Movie Podcast. It's me, Emma, and guess who's here? What's going on, everybody? It's Jack. Merry Christmas. Happy holiday season to everybody, one and all. Very excited to uh, to cover a few of our favorites today. Emma, what are we featuring today? Today, we are having a really light, fun, happy episode and we are covering actually kind of a kind of a unique classic genre, and that is holiday cult animated films. And we are particularly highlighting the beloved works of Rankin Bass Animated Entertainment. And Rankin Bass Animated Entertainment is highly renowned for their beloved children's Christmas classics that came out around the 60s and 70s. For those of you who are unfamiliar with it, but <laughs> are maybe familiar with the Christmas holiday season, uh, Emma, what are a few of those cartoons or special short little films? Well, I am so glad you asked. There's actually quite a few. We have Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the absolute stellar under-the-radar classic, The Cricket on the Hearth. We have The Little Drummer Boy, Frosty the Snowman, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Here Comes Peter Cottontail, Twas the Night Before Christmas, one of my favorites, another underrated fave, The Year Without a Santa Claus, Frosty's Winter Wonderland, Rudolph's Shiny New Year, actually all of all of the sequels to Rudolph and Frosty. I personally love the crossover Frosty and Rudolph or Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. That is Mwah, chef's kiss, <laughs> a great one. We have Jack Frost. We have Flight of the Dragons. We have The Wind in the Willows. Yeah, there's there's a bunch actually that they've produced. A lot of these are made for television films, but they have been. I mean, think about this time period. We have the sixties and seventies. TV is now becoming highly part of the American household experience. So. I really, I feel like anyone, maybe in their 60s, 50s and younger, these films are a quintessential part of their childhood. I know they are for me. So I'm excited to take a look at two of our favorites personally. Yeah. And I think that it's uh, it's worth mentioning a few that we probably won't cover as in depth, but uh, maybe are some of our favorites. Um, I really like The Year Without a Santa Claus. I think Heatmeister... Really? I, I don't know oh, yeah, why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that there's there's some pretty classic songs in there. Yeah, I mean, overall, super fortunate, I think, to have been exposed to these and not just uh, see them for what they are, but also see the impact and influence that they've had on other holiday movies. Very cool to see kind of little uh, nods to them. And uh, I'm sure we'll you know get into that later. But uh, but yeah. This is uh these are just these are just great staples of the holiday season that always make me feel a little bit warm inside and uh are like a nice big hug. Like you just you have to revisit them and super excited to cover them too. 
Yeah, I think we have to give a lot of credit to Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass. I mean, what they did here, I don't think it gets as much, you know, hoopla and hurrahs. We it's just such a ingrained part of our lives that we don't realize the artistry and the mastery that went behind these films and actually how beautiful they are and really how classic they are. I mean, what I'm so enamored by is that a lot of the inspiration for these films were were songs, right? Um, and they made them come to life in a way that we can't imagine Rudolph without picturing that little stop motion deer. We can't picture Frosty without his magician's hat and, 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 and Karen, the little girl, going on that train to the North Pole. Um, when we look at these classic songs, they now have this whole other meaning to them that these movies have entwined with them forever. So I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really, they really do call upon a lot of classic works. Um, the Cricket on the Hearth is based off of a Charles Dickens Christmas novel. Not as famous as per se, you know, a Christmas carol, but, <laughs> but it does uh, hearken upon that literary classic influence. And you guys, if you haven't seen The Cricket on the Hearth, do yourself a favor and check it out. It is a wild time. All I have to say is it's a kids animated movie, but there's like an animal strip club scene. So like, there's there's wild stuff in that movie. I can't even describe you. It's a very neutral party to Cricket on the Hearth. I love the tradition that we do as a family. Uh, we we actually do uh, place a, a nice little golden cricket on our hearths. But oh, yes. what I will say about the... <laughs> animated short don't expect anything amazing i mean it's very, very entertaining um but i mean why don't we talk about it a little bit i mean we won't go super <laughs> in depth but i mean what what do you like about cricket on the hearth i think it's just bananas i think it is just a wild ride it's a really i mean this is basically the premise of it right it's a toy maker and he's got a blind daughter and things are not looking good for them the blind daughter has a fiance that's supposedly you know goes off to war and killed overseas and things are not looking good and this cricket's supposed to bring luck and it's just like things are not going lucky and lo and behold all of these things take a change <laughs> and i don't it's just a really crazy concept um yeah, I think it's just unusual. It's it's really more of the cult classic interested in it, where it's just like, this is how did this get made? This is so unusual. But there is some heart in it. It's not just all weirdness. Um, and that's what I like about it. My other favorite is Twas the Night Before Christmas, which I think I discovered one year on AMC or an, another another cable channel of some sort when I was younger. And that one has become a staple, a tradition for me as well. It's, again, not, you know, Casablanca, but <laughs> there is something to be said for its charm. Uh, a lot of, you know, believing in Santa, believing in each other motifs, coming together as a community, a little mouse family and their human family working together to bring Santa to their town after the mouse 
tell Santa to basically, you know, F off. <laughs> like, <laughs> so they, they save Christmas, supposedly, maybe that's their goal. Who knows if it'll happen? You should watch and find out. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I guess kind of circling back to, uh, yeah, the, the main features uh, that we're going over tonight. So we have Rudolph, we have Frosty, and if there's some time, Charlie Brown Christmas. I just think the animate the short animated features are so special to keep in mind. Um, so if you're listening to this and you have kids or young people in your life, I highly recommend uh, renting them or buying them or seeking them out because I, they're just they're wonderful. They're short. They're um, fun loving. Have the spirit of the holiday season in them, and they just they really lifts me up every year. And I can't wait to go over them a little bit more. So where should we begin? Should we go with everyone's favorite reindeer, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? And everyone's most controversial father, Donder. Uh, Donner, Donner, Donder. <laughs> uh, you know, the debate for the ages. I think that Rudolph would be a great place to start. Yes, I love Rudolph. And Rudolph is really special to me because it's the first project that this production company of Rankin Bass actually came out with. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer came out in 1964. It was a TV special. Um, it was distributed by NBC Universal. Um, and since then, it's honestly aired on TV quite often. Um, now that obviously the the culture of cable is changing, I'm curious what that accessibility and tradition will be going forward with things um, outside of cable. But yeah, I, I actually had a hard time finding this um, like for free. Did you? Yeah, I had to, uh, I had to buy it on yeah. Apple TV. So it's, uh, it's $8. If you are looking to invest that in owning a little holiday magic uh, in perpetuity or until <laughs> they just get seized from your, Apple library. Uh, if you're on that Christopher Nolan train like us, uh, maybe try and go find it on DVD and invest in a little DVD player so you can truly have it forever. But um, I think it is worth having though. I think that even if you have to pay for it, uh, it's a, it's just a, a staple. It's a classic. Again, you can see the influence that it's had on other movies throughout the years. And I mean, Burl Lives. Come on. It's the start of uh, the the domino effect of the rest of these kind of holiday shorts. So very well worth it, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, like Jack said, Burl Ives is in it. And I think that that is really interesting, too, about a lot of uh, Rankin Bass productions is that there seems to be a lot of voice actors, um, but they do bring in star power. A lot of people... Um, attribute the movie Aladdin to bringing the celebrity into the voice acting world. Um, I feel like for a long period of time, we had the cast voiced by people who specialized in voice acting. And then when Aladdin came out, Robin Williams was in it. And that really changed the trajectory of regularly featuring celebrities as voice actors. However, I'm going to go back a little bit and say that that was a huge component of Rankin-Bass films. We had... Burl Ives in this one, we've had Boris Karloff, we've had Danny Kaye 
in these different productions that they've had voicing these animated characters. So I think that some credit is due there. Um, another really interesting thing about them, it, about the Rankin-Bass early films, especially Rudolph, which is a stop-motion animated feature, highly unique uh, form of artistry, one that a lot of people, when they get into animation, start with and um, kind of learn <laughs> and start on those ropes. I feel like it's making a major comeback. I see so many um, artistic, like amateur filmmakers using stop motion these days, and I love it. I think it's such a cool um, vintage aesthetic and it actually has a lot of heart to it and it feels a lot more real than some of the CGI things out there. So I'm a big fan of the stop motion movement that's coming out. But what's interesting about these is that um, Rankin and Bass worked with a lot of um, worked with a lot of Japanese stop motion animators or um, Japanese animation studios, um, which is very interesting in my opinion. So Sarito Moshinaga, uh, otherwise known as Tad Moshinaga, he's credited as being a huge influence in how the Rudolph movie came out. So I think there's something to be said there with, um, yeah, looking looking to people um, across different cultures, um, not necessarily based in the states, to kind of enhance and collab and recreate. Yeah. So Rudolph, I mean, it is like I don't know why this came across my head when I was watching these last night. I was like, Rankin Bass is basically the original Mamma Mia Ava. Like, transformation where they take you know the songs and make this whole other world out of them so that's what Rudolph is there's a lot of really beloved songs in this a lot of really beloved characters and scenes um it has such a great I mean I I just I'm such a big fan of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer both the song and the movie I love how it explores non-conformities and bullying and acceptance and fitting in versus standing out. I think it is such a fabulous tale. So let's go over some of our favorite parts of this beloved children's classic. Perfect. So yeah, doing a little mini rewatch here. So we start off and we see Donner, Santa's lead reindeer, and his wife have a new fawn named Rudolph. They're surprised to find out he was born with a glowing red nose. Donner attempts to first cover Rudolph's nose with mud, and later uses a fake nose, so Rudolph will fit in with the other reindeer. The following spring, Rudolph goes out for the reindeer games, where the new fawns learn to fly and are scouted by Santa for future sleigh duty. <laughs> Rudolph meets a doe named Clarice, who tells him he's cute, making Rudolph fly. While he celebrates with the other bucks, Rudolph's fake nose pops off, causing the other reindeer to mock him and coach Comet to expel him. So, boo. A lot of uh, explosiveness right off the bat, especially seeing uh, kind of how all these adult reindeers are assholes, to be honest. Um, Donner and Coach Comet, uh, I can't say they're the most supporting figures in the world. Also, yeah, I mean, a little different. I think, you know, we see uh, Rudolph's mom coming in here, Clarice. All these, uh, um, you know, big doughy-eyed Rudolph's does. mom, whose name is Mrs. Donner. She doesn't even have her own name. <laughs> and, you know, Donner, Donner. Gosh, I, I'm going to call him Donner by accident at some point in this because it's such a controversy. Uh, but yeah, Donner is um, a little bit of a tough papa. He's, uh, 
he's he's a little bit hard on his son and his nonconformities. I don't know what it is about a little baby animal that has nonconformities, be it Rudolph or Dumbo or whatever. I just want to adopt them and love them and and all of the things. So you just can't help feeling bad for this poor kiddo. It's not just Donner, though. It's Santa, too. It Santa is, you know, is a... Santa's a little bit of a jerk in, in this rendition. Um <laughs> And you know what? Not to give spoiler alerts here, but it's a little too late, in my opinion, from Santa in terms of apologies and recognition and acknowledgement. But yeah, Santa's a little bit of a bully. The reindeer are a little bit of bullies. The, their kids are bullies. This is like everyone in the North the, Pole actually kind of sucks. <laughs> the North Pole is the school of hard knocks. People think that the North Pole is this magical, you know, easy place where everyone gets along. But it's a cutthroat reindeer eats reindeer world up there. So Rudolph is not uh, starting off on the easiest foot here either. Do you think that I always kind of envisioned that um, Fireball was coach, like the coach's son, you know, Coach Comet, Comet, Fireball. I always, I don't know. I had an inkling that that there might have been some favoritism there. That's a great call. Could be Comet Jr. Fireball is his nickname. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. I think that's a great hypothesis. A little jealousy, perhaps, because he he does want to be everyone's pal, Comet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> he just doesn't take two seconds to outcast Rudolph here. Everyone does except Clarice, that angel. Okay, you know what I want to know about this whole like reindeer school making Santa slay? How, you know, are you putting on an alternate list from Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, Blitzen? Are you like the alternate sub? Because I can't imagine Santa's kicking any of them out for these newer kids. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Yeah, that's a great call. I mean, like first team. First team, uh, you know, second Dasher, string. <laughs> Comet, cute. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think Fireball has the potential to be a strong second string up there, you know, maybe one day. <laughs> uh, and how about a little, you know, mini round of applause for Janice Orenstein, who is the voice of Clarice. I actually think that she's a great voice actress. It's pretty uh, charming. Uh, She's a darling um, deer. Yeah, I think she kills it. Uh, very like almost seductive, I would say. <laughs> very like feminine, very feminine energy. They really nailed the voice acting casting there. They sure did. Yeah, Clarice is, I mean, what what else can we say? She's perfect. She is the first person that sees Rudolph and gives him a chance. Heck, I think Clarice should be running at the North Pole, to be totally honest. <laughs> One day the takeover is coming. I mean, what else have we not necessarily uh, gone over? I mean, like Donner just basically disowning him once the nose comes off. Uh, a little, you know, big buck energy. Big a little, buck uh, energy. <laughs> Whenever, you know, like, or I guess little buck energy. It's little buck energy <laughs> between uh, Fireball and Rudolph. Fireball oh. is just the greatest reindeer name ever. Uh, it only energy. gets better <laughs> big antler energy. Yeah, I mean, what what did you think when the nose came off and uh, Rudolph hits his first big roadblock? It's pretty devastating. I, could you imagine a, a kid just being 
kicked out of their of their school of their home and their family it's it is pretty heartbreaking but that does bring us to another um sub thread going on in the first act here and that is another misfit up in the north pole a small elf named herbie who all he wants to do is be a dentist what a dream and can you imagine how bad the teeth are up at the north pole if there is no no dentist thus far <laughs> they need herbie Pretty, they need herbie <laughs> someone's got to be a dentist up there um i don't think it's just hermie emma who might feel a little out of place i think there's another uh little character that rudolph links up with yes uh there is one more nonconformist up in the north pole and that is a human redhead named Yukon Cornelius and his teeth is a, hu- a human redhead. <laughs> his his blood team of dogs who are on an endless mission to find silver and gold in the most uh inconvenient place possible. Uh Yukon, he's a visionary. He's a go-getter. He's an outside of the box thinker. We love him. Yes. So they make a good team, I will say. And uh they are off on their little adventure and what happens after this initial meetup between the three is they escape the abominable snow monster and all three of them land on the island of misfit toys it's a place where unloved or unwanted toys reside with their ruler a winged lion named king moonracer who brings the toys to the island until he can find homes and children who will love them the king allows them to stay one night on the island and asks them to ask santa to find homes for them rudolph leaves on his own worried that his nose will endanger his friends easily my favorite part of the short is the <laughs> island of misfit toys easily the island of I'm misfit on. toys is everything i mean this is another sort of culturally ingrained term that i think a lot of people use <laughs> for their for their little groups of friends um but isn't it is it not so accurate that we're all just people finding fellow weird people and that's what the Island Misfit Toys is. And I love them. King Moose Ra- King Moonracer is a hero. A hero. And you know what? King Moonracer should probably be Santa and take over his job well, at this Emma. point. Because that one is taking... <laughs> like, that one has the spirit of Christmas. That is so true. King Moonracer has more Christmas spirit than the entire rest of the North Pole combined. But my question to you is, what Misfit Toy would you... Adopt, or what's your favorite? Is your favorite the one that you would adopt? That's a great question. Um, I like the train with square wheels personally. (laughs) Is that your favorite? Say that. I love the train with square (laughs) wheels. He's just so funny. I love him. My heart goes out to that little choo-choo train, like nothing else. Um, he is so cute. I feel so bad for him. And you know what? I feel like he actually kind of has a challenge. And the other ones, it's being a spotted elephant, like, oh, you know, you'll you'll live. But <laughs> being a train yeah, yeah. with square wheels. A bird like... that can swim, you're a penguin. Like <laughs> you're right at home. Oh, a Charlie in the so... box, like, oh. <laughs> and that yeah, doll, yeah. who who even knows what's wrong with the doll? 
do you know what's wrong with the doll? Does she just like cry a lot? Like, that's a great question because <laughs> Sally, I think, Sally. is her Yeah, right. Sally. I wonder if there's like some sort of thread, like, like fanfic with Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas and the Sally and stop motion. I don't yeah. know. Food for thought no, for I later. Think, uh, <laughs> all right. So answering my own question, my favorite and the one that I would want to adopt is, yeah, the train with square wheels. But I think that the most useful one and the one that I would probably end up using the most is, what is it? The the gun that shoots jelly. Oh, I love the gun that shoots jelly too. It would be pretty, that'd actually be, I don't know. You could use them for a lot of things. You could make like really Maybe. cool PB and J's and like, you could actually have kind of like semi-realistic water gun fights. The, the gun <laughs> that shoots jelly was ahead of its time. I think it just I needed to wait like I think 60 so too. Years. <laughs> we, we would put it to good use today. Yeah, that one's really cute. I just, I really love them all. And honestly, like it kind of makes me sad, you know, not to jump too far ahead. It makes me sad at the thought of them all getting separated at the end. But, you know, Santa, Santa and King Moon Racer will make a great collab and making sure they're they're loved. Because if we learned anything from Toy Story, toys should be played with. Toys should be played with in a way they they all got each other. You know, so I love the Island of Misfit Toys because it is oddly bonding. And I think that they probably have more people there for them than a majority of the toys out there, I would argue. So that is my thesis on it. Plus they have, in my opinion, the best song in the movie. Um, <laughs> I love it. So th that's my favorite. So so yeah, I, I love the sequence. And I'm not sure if you want to mention anything else there, but I think it's also worth shouting out. We have our first uh, snow monster appearance oh, here. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, and poor Rudolph, at this point, he thinks that his nose is only a detriment because the, the nose is giving him away. So, and he's ashamed. So, mind you, Rudolph hasn't discovered his own, his own talents yet. He still thinks he's a hindrance to the world, which is absolutely just heartbreaking. Not just a misfit and an outcast in the North Pole, but a liability a misfit of misfits. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he, he he can't even fit in with the misfits. That is tough. That is tough, but very meta when you it think is. about it. Like, what it if is. you don't even fit in with like the outcasts? What do you do? What do you do? Well, you do what he did, and you and you sulk away in a very depressed state on your own little ice block. Which I just, <laughs> we, I mean, I've got to mention it now. I think that Elf. Uh, pays homage to this movie so beautifully in so many ways. The the animation, the ice block, um, the snowman. <laughs> it's so good. So good. I love the narwhal. That is my favorite character maybe in any Christmas movie, holiday movie, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's also worth mentioning the little fun fact about the island of Misfit Toys. Emma, did you want to go over it? Did you know this one? No, oh, okay. I don't think so. so. I'm not sure. I I think, yeah, it's it's definitely worth mentioning. And that is that in the original TV version of the show, Rudolph, Hermie, and Yukon visit the island Misfit Toys and promise to help them. But the Misfits are never seen again, only mentioned in Santa's first stop before he flies off in his sleigh. 
This again is in the original version. So after it was shown, the producers were inundated with letters from children complaining that nothing had been done to help the misfit toys. So in response, Rankin Bass produced a new short scene at the end of the show in which Santa and his reindeer, led by Rudolph, land on the island, pick up all the toys, and find homes for them. Ever since then, the scene has become part of the standard version of the show that runs during the holidays. So, okay, that was logged way my memory recesses, but I'm so happy you reminded me because I did not have that fact readily accessible. And that is absolutely fantastic. Look at the power of consumerism and audienceship being able to <laughs> give, give their characters a better life. Yeah, I mean, the power of... They wrote to Santa, kind of. I pretty I mean, much. Can you imagine that? Do you imagine, like, I don't even know what the the modern day equivalent to that would be. That's like a rewrite of the final season of Game of Thrones. I was just thinking that, actually. Um, Yeah, I just, wow, there is something actually really touching about that. And that's making me feel a little bit better about the the toys being separated. (laughs) Um, To know that there was something in there, like the power of children getting what they wanted for Christmas and reaching out to someone who could make it happen. That's pretty cool, actually. I think that just goes to show the power and the magic of the holiday season. I don't know. I I love that little story. I think that's a fun one. It's uh, it's it's nice too that because the studio didn't need to do that. No, everything's done. But I think that that is also thinking about future generations too. Yes, and the longevity of what you're trying to make. So I'm very happy on the inside and it gives me a nice little warm internal hug on my heart that they were open to like putting that extra effort in um very cool to see yeah and i really think it speaks to the character of arthur and jules and everyone else who was on this production team that I mean, these are people that care about kids. They're not just pumping out the story about the puppy and the pigeon, like in <laughs> an elf and everything that happened in that first scene with Walter Hobbs. Like these are people that actually care about kids. And I think it reflects in the the heart and why these movies are built to last. These aren't just like, you know, let's make some money. These are actually made with the consumer at the heart and at the mind of everything that was produced. So I think that is just another um, more evidentiary proof that these people made a children's legacy, like an actually an effective one at that. All right. So shall we move on to the next little segment? Let's do it. All right. So after all this time on the Island of Misfit Toys and Rudolph's little escape, time passes. And Rudolph, now a young stag, returns home to find that his parents <laughs> a, a young and Clarice. Stag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that young stag. He returns home to find that his parents and Clarice have been searching for him. He then travels to the Abominable's cave, where they are being held captive. Rudolph attempts to rescue Clarice until the monster knocks him down with a stalactite. <laughs> what? A, a stalactite? A stalactite? Or stalactite Stalac- or stalactite? Oh my god, stalact- stalactite! What the hell is stalactite. that? Stalactite. Uh, so fun fact for everyone: a stalactite is the one that's on the roof. <laughs> a stalagmite is yeah. the one that comes up from the ground. <laughs> didn't know okay. that you didn't know you'd learn that on this uh, this episode today. 
the tactical definition is a tapering structure hanging like an icicle from the roof of a cave, stalactite, formed of calcium salts deposited by dripping water. Very cool. Nice one, Emma. So Hermie and Yukon, <laughs> uh, Hermie and Yukon eventually show up with the plan to help out Rudolph. Hermie lures the monster out of the cave by imitating the sound of a pig and pulls out the abominable's teeth after Yukon knocks him out. <laughs> Yukon drives the toothless monster back over a cliff and falls with it. Oh my goodness. Wow. This is quite the uh, rising action and climax to the this story. This is what I call a third act <laughs> and like the start of a third act, you know, where where the stakes are raised. Um, and I, I, what, you know what, what part I really love about this is Donner at some point in the sequence goes, you know, to his wife and his daughter-in-law, no, this is man's work. <laughs> you have to stay here. And I love Attaboy that Donner. Mrs. Donner and Clarice are like, <laughs> and they, and they go off on their own anyway. Yes, women's rights movement in the early 60s coming out here. <laughs> They're like, we're going to go for it. We're strong, independent does. Donner just takes constant else in this, I feel like. I mean, he gets basically, uh, we all know how it ends. He gets supplanted by his son that he basically outcasted. Donner was hoisted by his own petard. Donner, yes. and so, and you know what? So was Santa, if if we're going to go there. After all their bullying and and uh, mockery, his the son runs away, and then you know they're like, "Oh, yeah." Donner's like, "Oh no, he's gone. I have to go fix this problem." And then it's a problem for Santa, and he's like, "Oh, well, Donner's missing. What are you gonna do about it?" And it's like, you know what? This was all you're doing, <laughs> too. Rudolph has the last laugh here. I think that this sequence is just crazy. Um, with you know Yukon doing all of Yukon's antics and uh the fight, the big fight, and the kind of intense assumptions that are made after the fight, uh falling <laughs> seeing the cliff. Uh Int this intense is, assumptions. That's what I'm gonna call I mean, death. They, <laughs> they they go there. Like they are definitely not afraid to go there in this children's movie, which of course, like there's adult themes that are touched on in today's films but again i don't think it would be portrayed in the way that they do it like they do here so it's crazy to go back and look at this <laughs> yeah i'm a, what what are your thoughts it is it was a, a different generation a harder generation and i mean we're you know the kids coming out at this point they're 20 years out from 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 a world war, you know, and and nuclear threats and everything that was going on there. We're 20 years out from Elf and I can remember, you know, going to see Elf in theater. So I, I imagine that there's a little bit of a harder mentality of some of the people who are both behind this and consuming it. Um, yeah, it, it the is what don't Yukon's dogs fall with Yukon? Yeah, I think so. Attacking I, I, the snow monster. I think so. But you know what? I think that they um, handle, handle it all as well that ends well pretty, pretty nicely. But in the moment, it is pretty scary and it is pretty jarring. And uh, you, you grow very attached to this trio, you, I must say. 
great music during yes. the fight sequence. I will say that that is also very well done. Let's give a round of applause for Johnny Marks, who did an absolutely fantastic job creating the music for this feature. And Rudolph, in general, did he write Rudolph? Yes, he did. Um, yeah. Yeah, Romeo Mueller. Also, now, now we're going through through all the credits. <laughs> Romeo Mueller, mm. in terms of his weaving of these different songs, uh, just so impressive how it all came together. Yeah, so very jarring, <laughs> maybe upsetting sequence there. But in the end, Rudolph, Hermie, Clarice, and the Donners return home, where everyone apologizes to them. Yukon returns with a tamed abom- ab- abominable. Very tough word to say. <laughs> now trained to trim a Christmas tree, explaining that the monster's bouncing ability saved both of their lives. Christmas Eve comes, and while everybody is celebrating, Santa announces that a big snowstorm is approaching, forcing him to cancel Christmas. Blinded by Rudolph's bright nose, he changes his mind and asks Rudolph to lead the sleigh. Rudolph accepts, and their first stop is the Island of Misfit Toys, where Santa delivers the toys to children. Wow. Emma, your thoughts. What an ending. It is so heartwarming, so happy, so wonderful. I love that each of our three little misfits all find to be are all found to be major assets in this North Pole Christmas town world. I mean, you have Yukon who you know, and all of his eccentricities was able to tame. A, I love how you start with Yukon. He's like the one that didn't really have a very obvious. Well, I, I'm, I'm building up. I'm building up. Okay. okay. <laughs> and then we have uh, Hermie able to use his dentistry skills, not just on dolls, but on the snowman itself to make him more tame on his boss to be able to fix his boss's dental health, which will probably give him another 500 years on his life. And then we have our titular hero, Rudolph, who used his, first of all, he's so much more than his nose, right? Like he's not, he's not even just that he's, he's a good leader. He was strong. He was smart. He problem solved, but then his nose This whole feature that consumed his entire identity as a flaw is now celebrated forever for all eternity and must be used as headlights from every winter going forward for the rest of the world's existence. All right. Biggest losers out of all of this. Easily. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, Santa kind of had to... He was at least gracious enough to i think come back okay Stoic, i get he that came back. <laughs> the two that easily lose out of this movie are donner and comet sure sure easily <laughs> there's no way back if i'm rudolph i i might be letting up a little bit and i'm gonna be like letting them kind of you know do a little extra work you know i'll light the way but they can you know I don't know what reindeer do while they're flying. If they are literally like running on air, I don't know how the magic works. It is real though. Uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm making them work a little extra up there. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I, that's a great question. How even like the physics work with reindeer and if like the reindeer further up have a harder time. And if Santa switches them out like geese in the air, like, you know how they switch out in their V. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe Rudolph is just getting extra fucked. Well, I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rudolph, go, go ahead. Be well, the the light for us. You're also getting the most drag. I mean, that's you know, like you're getting yeah, most drag. Sure, sure. I I see that. I can't imagine they have Rudolph up there the whole time. They must give him a break. They must put him in in the tail end or even in the sleigh for all we know to get a little bit of a break. Like maybe in a tropical climate where there's no fog or something like that, or a desert. Yeah, just kind of uh, letting him you know coast a little bit and then bringing him up, you know, to the top for the the blizzards. Yes, yes. Big, like you know, weather. We're flying through the Sahara. You can take a break now, Rudolph. Yeah. <laughs> Go to the back. Donner, <laughs> Comet, up top. <laughs> oh my gosh. I like I like that. I like that. But uh I mean, how about abominable in, in Yukon? Uh feeling a little, a little weird about that relationship. It is but uh you know <laughs> it's a bit strange. <laughs> But yeah, what a what a redemption arc for the abominable snowman. Uh, maybe he was just this misunderstood guy. Maybe he had a toothache this entire time, for all we know. And he bounces. And he bounces, bumbles, apparently. bounce. Um, uh, apparently, yeah. You know, I wonder. I wonder if there's anything hidden in there. I don't know. It'd be kind of funny if they made like a little hint homage in the first act that that would be coming in the second act, but. Um, uh, neither here nor there I, I accept it it's it's the north pole it's magical and <laughs> bumbles bounce bumbles bounce baby bumbles bounce <laughs> and rudolph lives on as a classic in our hearts uh amazing amazing film and like you and, said, and the toys get their home toys get their home island mr toys everyone wins the kids win that's what's truly important the kids that wrote to the studio, getting their little Christmas wish. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, just really cool to see. And I love, again, the legacy that we're still able to see in movies like Elf. And um, really just, yeah, all stop motion and animation. I think it's uh, super cool, super impactful, and one of the greatest of all time. Yes, absolutely. Round of applause. What a charming story. Love this one. Round of applause should we move on to our next holiday special and actually a much shorter one yeah very very short frosty the snowman this one is only like 25 minutes long rudolph Uh, was about 55 by the way for people if we didn't mention that Mm -hmm. yeah they all kind of fall within that range but rudolph is definitely one of the longer ones frosty is interesting frosty is potentially problematic maybe there's something problematic in, I'm sure, all of, in, these, all of these. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> all of these. But um, okay, so Frosty, I will just give you the entire rundown of Frosty and then we'll go from there. How does that sound? Emma, is that good? Let's do it. All right, everyone, buckle in, grab your little hot cocoa and tea, and listen to Mr. Jack give you the story of Frosty the Snowman. So, in a schoolhouse on Christmas Eve, inept magician Professor Hinkle unsuccessfully performs his tricks during a Christmas party. Disgraced and ridiculed by the children, Professor Hinkle throws his top hat away. 
Upon being dismayed, the children go outside to play in the snow and build a snowman they name Frosty. Professor Henkel chases the rabbit Hocus Pocus, who has left with his hat. The hat is blown off by the wind and caught by Karen, a student who puts it on Frosty's head and brings him to life. Henkel realizes the hat is actually magic and sees this is a chance to become wealthy. Henkel reclaims <laughs> the hat. <laughs> Henkel reclaims the hat when it gets blown off and ignores their protests that he threw it away. He also dismisses the children's claim that Frosty came to life. Later, Hocus switches the hat with a Christmas wreath and brings it back to the children. They use the hat to revive Frosty again, and the snowman is immediately delighted by his newfound life. Emma, what are your thoughts here? Wow, what a movie. First of all, um, to give you a little bit of context, this is five years after Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. This came out in 1969. Rudolph came out in 1964. No stop motion with this one. A little bit different. Um, Still similar teams. um, But what they wanted to do for this one was to make it look a little bit more greeting card-esque. So they actually used an artist who I believe worked on Mad Magazine to um, help animate this one. And the animation you see in this one uh, is revisited, I feel like, in a few of the other ones. Um, This is kind of like, I feel like it's been sharpened a little bit um, in terms of artistry, but yeah, it is is quite pretty. So that's what's kind of going on visually. Story-wise, oh my goodness, wow. First of all, I always felt bad for these kids that they spent school on Christmas Eve what? No one wants to spend Christmas Eve at school. That's that's no fun. Um, but they're having a good time. I'm mightily concerned for these kids, mostly with the um, choice of outerwear that's going on here for these kiddos, especially the girl in the pink dress who has no winter coat at all whatsoever. All the boys are given are wearing sweaters, but are wearing shorts. Well... If memory serves me correctly, in the beginning, uh, don't they mention that it was, you know, they got lucky that it snowed on Christmas Eve. So I'm oh, guessing that yeah. this is like an unseasonably warm winter. And okay. then maybe they're not super prepared. Look at and you filling in all the dots. <laughs> I know. Like when I was watching this yesterday, it kind of, it was like an unnecessary mental, you know, leap or whatever to uh to make that connection but um figured it out i was like interesting okay well i guess that's cool and then uh, i love these characters you know i love rudolph but these characters are so much more memeable in my opinion professor Uh, i love them i love the magician i mean gaslighter of children yeah, professional gaslighter of children. Professional evil, self-proclaimed of children. evil, evil magician. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, Frosty. <laughs> Frosty's like the least interesting character out of all these. Karen, <laughs> wherever her <laughs> parents are, you know, neither here nor there. The the police crossing guard and his magical. I, I love that whistle. I know it's a little bit ahead, but I just think even Hocus Pocus. These characters are great. Focus, you know, I, focus. He, An unsung really hero do. of this movie. Oh, exactly. Rudolph and Frosty, I think, have 
great, strong characters. And Frosty in particular has a lot of very, like, like you said, it kind of, it, it was the postcard. Yeah, kind of like, a, like a Christmas for. card, like a greeting card, like those vintage ones. There's so many moments, so many still, so many shots in this movie that look so visually satisfying. Again, I'm thinking about like when they're crossing the road and the police eats the whistle. I don't know why. I, I've always wanted to eat that whistle too. <laughs> uh, the greenhouse, again, kind of jumping ahead. It's so pretty. The, yeah, it's a very pretty one. I will say so. Um, and again, it's just so ridiculous. Uh, they do a the really good job of animating so snow too. Like, I don't know. All this yeah. is coming. The plot is pretty ridiculous. Um, but my gosh, well I done, mean, but it's great. Yeah. I've never lived life hearing the song without knowing the movie, if that makes sense. But wow, I can't even, I can't even imagine this, the visual aid that this story and that this movie brings enhances the song tenfold, in my opinion. Very much so. Very much so. Shall I kind of go on and yes. describe what happens next? Go for so, it. Frosty, again, is brought to life. However, the temperature begins to rise and Frosty fears he will melt unless he can get to the North Pole. The children suggest putting him on a train to get there, and they parade through the town on the way to the train station, shocking several townspeople, including the traffic cop. Because they have no money for tickets, Hocus, Frosty, and Karen secretly board a northbound freight train, refrigerator car filled with ice cream and Christmas cakes, while Professor Hinkle follows them to reclaim the hat. As the train continues northward, Karen starts to freeze and Frosty realizes she cannot withstand the extremely cold temperatures. When the train stops to let a passenger train pass, the group disembarks in search of somewhere to warm Karen, with Hinkle following in pursuit. By nightfall, Frosty and Hocus struggle to bring Karen through the forest. Hocus asks the forest animals to build a campfire for Karen, which they succeed in doing. Fearing that the fire will not be good enough, Frosty decides to look for Santa Claus, whom they assume can save Karen and bring him to the North Pole. While Hocus searches for Santa, Professor Hinkle arrives and puts out Karen's fire. Karen and Frosty flee and arrive at a greenhouse, which Frosty brings Karen inside to warm up. Hinkle arrives and shuts the door, locking them inside. Don't, don't, don't. Honestly, I think that this is a great little plot for a 25 minute movie. It's pretty yeah. packed. It's pretty packed with stakes and, you know, good action. I think Very some full. modern modern films could take a note of you know <laughs> how well the uh, the story progresses here. Um, I think yeah. that about a lot of older films. Actually, I feel like there's so much um, great time management, if that makes sense. And you know what? I think that's why, I like the you know, not this is semi unrelated, but this is what I really like about some Bob's Burgers episodes. Um, the, those episodes are pretty short, but my goodness, I'm blown away by the plot and the characterization that they accomplish in so many of their episodes. Yeah, no, they, they pack a punch. And like I was this kind of previously similar. mentioning, yeah, no, very similar. I think that they do a great job figuring out, okay, like, what are we trying to do? Karen's fallen sick. Also, Karen, when I guess Karen was like a younger girl's name, maybe. Now it's a little tainted. I, 
I've got to say, it's so funny that like, I don't know. I've always thought that about this movie because we know, you know, we know older Karens as many right. do, which is why there's a term for it. Uh, so it was so funny growing up seeing this little girl named Karen. But yeah, at the time that was, that would have been like, you know, this year's yeah. Emma or, or Olivia or Isabella or Sophia or whatever other popular names are out there. So yeah, there's uh, there's Karen and um, she's n- never being a Karen, I will say. Mm-hmm. Emma, do you think Karen grows up to be a Karen? No, she could never. Karen, which is terrible look, that that like exists. Karen like, being a Karen, I hate that. I, I actually know a Karen who is closer to my age, younger, who is named Karen, but she's named for, I think, her mother's sister who was named Karen. And I always ask him, like, oh, that's so interesting that you like, like what is your experience in life with that name? at a younger age but oh it's so funny you know i'd have to go by carrie Carrie, i would not be able to do it care ren i'm ren care bear (laughs) ren Ooh, spicy spicy ren is the ren is a spicy karen ren is a spicy i bet karen grows up to be a ren um yeah no karen is yeah a girl of character karen puts her life out on the line for a snowman and magic and Christmas and alms. <laughs> Some people might think that this is a, a story about a snowman that comes to life. I will argue that it's a story about a little girl that is named Karen who becomes a woman named Ren. Yeah. Because only a woman named Ren will run away to the North Pole, survive potential hypothermia, and live <laughs> to tell the tale. To she friend is, a bunch of woodland creatures. That is a rent if I've ever heard one. She's a hero. I, I love Karen. Um, I love that she goes up to the train station. It's like, yeah, one one ticket to actually two, two tickets to the North Pole, please. And first, what is with the adults in this movie? Like, okay, little girl, <laughs> here's a ticket to the North Pole. So funny. Um, I love, I, I just, yeah, I love that scene going through all the different stops and everything. And she's, she's on phase. She's still like very solution focused. Karen is going to grow up to be a CEO. I can tell you that uh, a CEO who gets people home. <laughs> so <laughs> what do we got next? We have Hocus and Santa arriving at the greenhouse. And what do we see? Frosty has melted into a puddle. Santa comforts a heartbroken Karen, explaining that Frosty is made of magical Christmas snow and will return every winter. He then opens the door and the winter wind blows in magic snow to remake Frosty into a snowman. As they're about to put the hat on his head, Hinkle arrives demanding his hat back. Santa intervenes and threatens to never bring him another Christmas present unless he gives up the hat and writes, I'm sorry, 100 zillion times. A contrite Hinkle leaves to write his apologies. They put the hat on Frosty, reviving him, and Santa drops Karen off at her house. He then takes Frosty to the North Pole, promising that he will return every year with the magical Christmas snow. As the credits roll, Frosty leads a parade with the children, Hocus, the narrator, the traffic cop, and the rest of the town, including Professor Hinkle, sporting a new hat. As the parade ends, Frosty boards Santa's sleigh, and they fly off to the North Pole, 
with Frosty altering the song's last line, saying, I'll be back on Christmas Day. Wow. Amazing. Fantastic. Frosty the Snowman. Emma. So cute. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this could be top three, maybe top two of my favorite Santa renditions. Oh, yeah. The Santa is great. That's always a wonderful question. Like, which Santa um, interpretation is the best Santa interpretation? The closest one to the real man himself. Yeah, this Santa has a fair mind, benevolence, um, magic, all the things. All the things. He's he's that, a lovely Santa. Not unlike Rudolph Santa, I may add. <laughs> they could not be more opposite Santas. <laughs> that that is, you know, needs to be made clear. Do you have a list, a top three list, maybe off the top of your head? Of best Santas. All-time Santas. Best Santas. And for you folks at home, while Emma's thinking here, uh, what are your top three Santas? Could it be the elf Santa? Could it be the Rudolph Santa? The really mean one? I have what, what, what to say, and I, I, oh God, now I'm really wondering what I said like a year or two ago when we covered Miracle on 34th Street because I think I mentioned some favorites oh, yeah. then. Uh, and like watch my opinion yeah. like totally be different from here to now. Um, I do like the one in Miracle on 34th Street. Um, I yeah, he's he's a, a darling to me. Yeah, I know Jack loves that one. <laughs> jokes, jokes. Um, I really like the Santa and Elf. There's something to be said for the mysteriousness in the Santa and the Polar Express. I must say, while he's not maybe a top, I think there's an element of his mysterious that can't go unacknowledged. Santa Hanks. Santa Hanks, um, the Santa in the um, Hallmark Christmas classic, Matchmaker Santa, is um, <laughs> uh, one that uh, should Emma, not be overlooked. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta put my foot down here. Top three. I need the top three. We're skirting around the. Okay. The question. Yeah. No. I. I think I'm in a brainstorming session right now. Um, okay. Let's go. Let's go. Elf. Elf is the one that's coming see? to mind right now. There, I feel like there's an old, okay. obscure one that I would also put up there who like dresses very old fashioned. Um, okay. Gosh, I know I'm missing. I know I'm missing. I'm the blanking. One. I'm blanking. Okay, hold on. I'm going to, all right, I'm going to start listing them off. We have Elf, we have Polar Express, Arthur Christmas, Miracle on 34th Street, Bread Claws, Christmas Chronicles, Claws. Uh, oh, very underrated. Yeah, that's a great. One. Oh, that's a good one. I would actually put that one up there for me. Uh, Kurt Russell. Uh, yeah, he, he was one. Santa Claus. Paul Giamatti. Um, yeah, twenty best movies. They're not counting all of the ones that we're currently going over. And I think that these Santas are pretty darn good. Very. These pretty darn good, especially the frosty version. I really like the frosty version of Santa. I think he's one of, if not the best. Yeah, he he really is one that um, you know, shouldn't go unrecognized. He is quite lovely. I 
I feel like there's an obscure movie from the 90s where there's like a very sweet old-fashioned Santa, not the new Miracle on 34th Street, but like a like a short, like a short feature. Um, if anyone might know what I'm talking about based off of that obscure information, let me know. I'm just picturing it's it's like a twas the night before Christmas, like there's a Santa and a house, and like that's all I'm remembering at the moment. Um and I know what you're thinking. If he was that impactful, I'd remember it. But uh, no, I don't know. It's, it's an obscure memory deep in my deep in the re- recesses of my mind. But yeah, the, I have yet to find the perfect Santa. I think there's so many different elements of different ones that I love. Um, and I know that if you put it together, you'd get your perfect Santa. But this one is a really good one. Um, I think that a good Santa is, you know, portrayal of Santa is someone who's kind-hearted, benevolent, gives a second chance, just like this one does to the magician, um, is very inclusive, unlike certain Santas I could name featured on this episode. Um, and <laughs> he has a good heart and tries their best to bring the spirit of Christmas to all. Couldn't have said it better myself. Emma, is there anything else that you would like to go over? I know that we said that we would talk a little bit about a Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, even though, do you want to go over that? How much do you want to? I haven't been able to rewatch Charlie Brown Christmas yet. Um, I don't have Apple TV, so I need to find someone who does. But Charlie Brown Christmas is a staple. And the like Linus is a holiday hero in, in this movie specifically. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll take <laughs> like a Rudolph, a young stag, uh, Rudolph. I'll take the reins on this one. Uh, I on my rewatch things that stood out to me. One, I mean, I just love peanuts in general. Um, just I love Snoopy and all the characters in the universe, but uh. <laughs> Snoopy and Woodstock. I mean, come on. But I think, yeah, Linus's little speech. And I mean, who doesn't love the tree that they end up choosing? I think that that tree, in a way, could just live on the island of Misfit Toys and, mm-hmm. you know, way to wrap all this up. I think that oh. that is always a really nice kind of theme. And a lot of like my favorite uh, Christmas movies or Christmas, you know, uh, shows the outcasts because it's a tough time of the year when you don't feel like you're fitting in or maybe you're not around family or friends. And, uh, it's very, very tough. You know, the days are getting shorter. It's not easy. Uh, you know, everyone's kind of going through a little thing, but in a way, Charlie and the rest of the gang, I love how they come together. I love how they make the tree nice and pretty and, in a way, it becomes the perfect Christmas tree. And I really, really like, I think, the overall message that a Charlie Brown Christmas sends. And uh, and yeah, I think it's another great one. If you're going to mix in Rudolph and Frosty, you might as well mix in this one. And honorable mention to The Grinch because The Grinch is great too. But yeah, uh, The Grinch is yeah. another one that isn't a Rankin Bass, but is very similar in nature. 
that one is also really good. I feel like the Grinch, how could you not be so touched by this? The story of the Grinch and the animated feature with Boris Karloff is so charming. That one was a holiday tradition growing up. They would play that one in school for us. So that one holds a special place in my heart for sure. All this is to say, if you are watching any of these this holiday season, one, congratulations. They're pretty hard to find. And we appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, making the effort to find them. Uh, but old soul fam, I think that, again, it's one of those times of the year where, like I said before, it's not exactly the easiest. It looks like everyone's super happy, super joyous. Uh, you know, it's hard. Never, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> we never know what the full story is, but uh, these stories, these films, and the people that also watch them, we get connected in a way. And to me, that's really special. And I love revisiting these each year. Uh, even if you just have it on the background or you're listening to the music, it brings you back to a time when maybe things were easier. Maybe there weren't as many struggles going on in life. And you get to hopefully relax a little bit. Maybe get teleported to the North Pole and a place where there's a little magic going on. Snowmen come to life. And uh, and yeah. Any parting thoughts here? Anything else that you would like to uh, share? No, it's... Um, we're just so happy that everyone tuned into this episode, that everyone remains part of the Old Soul Movie Podcast family. I think that I just feel very um, lucky and... Um, fortunate to be able to have this awesome show to have awesome messages from a movie loving community as we close out this year um it's definitely been a really crazy busy year and um you know the show has been kind of in flux with different life changes going on uh but we'll definitely still keep putting out episodes i'm excited to keep exploring more expanding on things um yes keep sending us your favorite movies all that good stuff uh, the holidays, I, you know, my heart goes out to everyone, whether you're having a great holiday season or a hard one, we're right there with you. It's um, a loaded time of year, but I think that one thing we can always count on is the consistency of some of the the feelings that these holiday movies give us. And sometimes that's all you need. If you're having a hard day, a good day to be able to unwind with familiar characters like Frosty and Rudolph and the other beloved Rankin Bass classics. Um, yeah, sometimes sometimes that can make your holiday night all the better. Um, for other holiday movie recommendations, because I think this is going to be our only holiday movie coming out. I my my watch list uh, really contains ones we've pre previously covered, but um, I love Holiday Affair. If you haven't seen that one with uh, Janet Lee and Robert Mitchum, that's such a cute old Hollywood black and white classic Christmas movie. Um, not as renowned as some of the other ones out there that we've covered, but that one's so cute. I'm loving that one. Um, I really love, in terms of new movies, the new A Christmas Story Christmas. Uh, I think that's it. <laughs> with Grown Up Ralphie. I That one touched my heart. I cried at that one. I don't know. I just, I really love that one. It, it I think it does such a great job of taking those characters, bringing them into the adult landscape and it grows up with you, uh, which is great. So I enjoy that one. 
Um, it is the 20th anniversary of Elf, like I mentioned a little bit earlier in the podcast. It is available on HBO Max. Go watch that if you have never seen it for sure. But then go re-celebrate with the happy memories of when it first came out, because that is a great one. 100%. Yes. We'll, see you, uh, we'll see you all in five years for the 25th anniversary of Elf, <laughs> and we'll probably cover it then. I'll feel a little yes. bit better labeling it as a uh, a classic. It can't even drink yet, for God's when sake. So yeah, it's it's only Jeez. twenty. It's only twenty. It has to be at least twenty-five. It has to hit a quarter of a century before we can label it and cover it on old soul here. Um, that was my opinion on the matter. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it, it is a great one. So definitely go check it out. Um, the one, yes. the one that I will slot in here that I'm looking forward to watching for the first time is a Muppet Christmas Carol. I've never oh, seen it. So good. It's amazing. <laughs> So I have plans to see that uh, this holiday season. Oh, you I know what's one I watched for the first time, I think last year, um, The Night Before with Seth Rogen. That one was actually pretty good. I actually liked it. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I don't know if I, I, I can't remember it, so I don't think I've seen it. But um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot out there. There's a lot There's out there. So, Everyone's trying to get their, their so little Mariah Carey flag planted on the holiday season because it's the only thing that's eternal like Bing Crosby and Mariah and Michael Buble <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else that is trying to get into the holiday mix forever um I love all these movies these movies are again super special love them and uh yeah Emma anything else what what a year it's been. What a season it's been for the Old Soul Movie Podcast. Um, very exciting news. I actually will be climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in January. So we probably won't be having an episode until February, realistically. So you probably won't be seeing us for a month. Um, but that being said, definitely re-listen to some of our old episodes. Um, keep throwing some ideas out there for episodes you want us to cover. Um, and I'm actually uh, climbing for charity. So if you'd like to donate to my Kilimanjaro Climb fundraiser, please send us a DM and I can send you a link that you can donate to if you're in the spirit of giving this holiday season. Um, but yeah, we are just so grateful to you all. Thank you everyone for being part of our family, being part of our family this holiday season. If you want to connect with us, you can reach us at Old Soul Movie Podcast on Instagram, the Old Soul Movie Podcast on Facebook, and you should be able to reach us there. Please give this episode a like, a share if you want to grow our old soul family. Yes, so find us there and keep in touch. And we will see you next time, next year on the Old Soul Movie Podcast. Bye, everyone. Love you all. Bye, everyone.